the the end is not a billion people. I think that would just be just the beginning because by 2030, we're going to have anywhere from eight to nine billion people, maybe more around the planet. So, you know, one out of eight, one out of nine, that's really just going to be the beginning. What I like about Vika's story is it's all about the power of a conviction. Because only with conviction can you successfully transition from managing a multi-billion dollar hedge fund to convincing one billion people to adopt a plant-based lifestyle by 2030. That conviction is informed by the context we are living in, a finite world that demands infinite growth. Vikas has turned that conviction into a value proposition that is inclusive of every member of the ecosystem. Not just vegans, but all diners, as well as the businesses that serve them. He describes a billion veg as a tech company. But from my perspective, it has value way beyond that particular form, tackling the second biggest source of climate change, which we think is pretty un. Hello, that was the voice of Dick Van Motman, founder of Unventures, and this is Unthinkable, the podcast that shares stories of unorthodox thinking to give you a new perspective on work, life, and business. In this show, I, Neil Moore, talk to rule breakers, decision makers, and innovators about the unthinkable decisions they've made that have changed the fate of their careers, businesses, and maybe even our world. Today, I'm joined by Vikas Garg, a former hedge fund manager turned startup founder on an unthinkable mission to turn 1 billion people onto a plant-based lifestyle by 2030 via his app, A Billion, a user-generated review site and social network that reduces the barriers of plant-based living by highlighting great vegan products and services wherever you are. Vikas, thank you for joining. Hey, Neil. It's really great to be here. Thank you for having us on the show. My pleasure. Now, you were riding pretty high in the financial world. You were a Wall Street guy at one point, and then you decided to found a startup. But that's not the unthinkable bit, I don't think. It may have been for you, but what I think is unthinkable is that the startup you decided to found is on a mission to turn a billion people onto a plant-based lifestyle. And what I want to know is, like, why that? Why were, what was the reason or the motivation for picking that mission? I'd say that over the last 10 years, um, we've really seen an increased sort of, we've seen a growth in sort of people, more people interested in sort of vegetarian and vegan, but it's not happening fast enough. If it was to happen faster, it can actually tackle some of our society's biggest issues, including climate change. And that's what we're really fighting for. So with a billion, what we're trying to do is really catalyze and accelerate the growth of the global plant-based market, the growth of the population of people around the world that are consuming these things. And a big part of that is tackling and solving for the availability of such things. So we can go to food conferences and we go to food conferences and we hear these big macro things like food can fix it. And yes, food can fix it. But the reality is that food is actually a very micro endeavor. If you're going to solve food, you need to tackle everything from the the production and the manufacturing, all the way to the distribution, down to what, where people are consuming food, so restaurants and, uh, and stores. And that's where we get involved. So one thing that we've done that's really interesting, and this is, you know, I'd say in, in a way, directly going head on 
with the idea of what social networks and social media have really become in our society, which is a pervasive threat, we just felt like, hey, what if we build a better kind of social network and social media platform, one where the data that people are posting about, they're posting about you know, vegan options, vegan food, plant-based options around the world, they're creating data. What if we then take that data and we actually use it to transform the world. We send that back out to hundreds of thousands of businesses around the world. We show restaurants around the world in markets like uh, ranging from Singapore and Southeast Asia to New York City uh, and everything in between. We show restaurant owners that there's this big trend emerging. We make it easy for them by showing them, hey, if you're a Japanese restaurant, check out the best rated vegan Japanese food from around the planet, um, even from your competitors locally. And really, in a way, trying to create a meritocracy, trying to show, trying to show there's that this massive consumer trend, and really using the insights gleaned from our platform to sort of grow this base. And I'll just give you one example of a success that we have had, which is in a market like Singapore, when we first started, and now we're in 140 countries, but when we first started, uh, in 2017, looking at the data in Singapore, we found less than a thousand vegan options um, across restaurants in Singapore. In fact, most of the plant-based options were vegetarian, so they included eggs and dairy and things like that. A thousand. And since then, we've been doing a lot of this consumer advocacy. Of course, we built the technology for it, so it's not like I, I don't have this team of folks. We're not a nonprofit. We're a company. We're a technology company. So what we're trying to do is build technology to scale activism. But what we've done is we've, we've delivered all of this consumer feedback back uh, across millions and millions of emails that have gone out to business owners around Singapore and around the world. And what we've seen is, thanks to a lot of the work that we've been doing, that number since the end of 2000 or beginning of 2018, that number has gone from 1,000 to just recently, we just did our top... 50 plant-based dishes in Singapore. We did this award based on user feedback and the pool that the top 50 was chosen from was 17,000 vegan dishes across 4,000 restaurants. Not, not ve there's, there's less than a, there's probably less than a hundred vegetarian restaurants in Singapore, <laughs> but so, so this was 17,000 vegan dishes across 4,000 restaurants in just Singapore. And so we've gone from 1,000 vegan options to 17,000 vegan options in 18, 19, 20, and part of 21 in like less than three and a half years. And, and you know, we love that. We love that because we, we really think that tech and technology and, and, and media and social networks should be employed in this way to really create social impact and change in society positive change in society for a change as opposed to what we've seen with a lot of other pro platforms and sort of the misinformation and destructive nature of those platforms. I mean, that is a huge mission. Um, I, can, I can see now how many constituents are involved in it. You know, you're bringing in the uh, consumer, you're bringing in the restaurant and potentially the manufacturer or the, the supply chain or, or whatever with your data product. So, how are you recruiting both sides of the, you know, the equation? How are you getting consumers? And then how are you getting the businesses on board who are going to benefit from this data? Yeah, so we, we don't spend, you know, on, on the consumer side, we rarely spend any money on advertising. 
we've we've spent a little bit of money here and there on advertising some things, but we, it's 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 literally a drop in the bucket. Um, where we tend to focus money that we would otherwise spend on marketing is actually creating impact in the world. So obviously, if we can convince somebody or make it easier for somebody to eat vegan food, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we wanted to really do was show them, show these people that hey. This little act of going and choosing a plant-based dish when you go out to eat, or or making your next uh, making your next you know f- uh, purchase at a at a grocery store, or uh, you know a beauty brand, or or fashion, you know, n- not buying fast fashion, or buying non-animal tested and clean beauty products um, that are good for the earth. Um, what we would do is we would want we would show you the impact that that can make in society. And that's like a big ask, right? Like this was my this was this was something that I thought is like, how do I take that? How do I take that small act that somebody is doing and connect to that to the larger impact that they're making? Because it's like elusive. You know, it really is. I mean, every time that I'm, you know, making the effort to wash up bottles and jars and put them in the recycle bin and then they go out into the bin that's right next to the normal bin and you think do these two bins i mean do they go to the same place or if if i didn't recycle these jars today would it make any difference whatsoever um yeah there's a there's a huge chasm between us all being told we can have an impact and then the reality of delivering that impact every day and not really feeling anything if it's anything in return so funny that you bring up that particular um example because one of the things that i have found has been one of the most impactful things that I've ever seen, and this this is like goes back thirty years, right? Um, when when I was a kid in New York City, um, you used to get charged an extra ten cents a can when you bought a can of soda from the grocery store. And I think many states did this, but New York did this, and New York had a recycling program, right? And I look at the whole generation of people. I'm forty, uh, and I look at like. All the kids my age, all the all the all the people my age, as kids growing up, all my friends, we learned about recycling because the state taxed aluminum cans, right? And it's only because they taxed aluminum cans, which made it for kids like us, made it lucrative enough that hey, we're gonna save all these aluminum cans from the summer, and we're gonna then take a bundle of them and take them to the local you know lo- local supermarket and boom 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 put the put the cans in the vending machine and get our 10 cents 10 cents 10 cents back you know 50 cans of five dollars right and you know you go there with 200 cans 300 <laughs> cans and that's enough to buy you know a new basketball or whatever you want right. but you know coming back to the impact that we wanted to make it's elusive and so I, I just by eating a vegan dish what what am I actually changing? Mm. And so we wanted to just take that a step further. And the way that we did that is say, hey, we partnered with nonprofits around the world that are in the front lines of saving animal lives, feeding hungry children in places like Africa, teaching girls how to read and write in South America and in South Asia and Southeast Asia, um, um, planting trees, saving animals. And it's amazing what you can do with a dollar. With a dollar, you can plant a tree as part of a reforestation project. For a dollar, you can actually feed a hungry, malnourished child three nutritious meals a day. Wow. Um, for a dollar, you can 
put a girl in school for a day, right? Uh, and give her access to, to, to local language children's books. So it, it, and you can save lots and lots of animals and feed lots and lots of animals and take care of lots and lots of animals. Where are these dollars coming from? These dollars are coming from us, right? So we're, we're a startup. And um, I think that most startups, when they think about how are they going to grow, how are they going to develop a user base, um, they think about, hey, we're going to market it. We're going to spend money on ads on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We're going to advertise in the local newspaper. We're going to do some TV ads, right? And we just felt like, hey, what we're all about, we're all about attracting audiences around the world. How do we develop very, very strong relationships with some of the organizations around the world that people truly respect? And so today, you know, we have 70 different organizations around the world that are our partners. The dollars come from our sort of our budget uh, in the sense. So when we raise capital from investors, we always put aside some of it um, for this kind of, uh, this kind of charitable giving. But what we have done is we've connected the act of, of, of making that more sustainable choice with actually allowing the user to then decide where in the world they want to create impact. And that's how we have really brought people on board um, over the last two, three years um, uh, into using something and helping us create something. I think one of the, the hardest things to do is create a user-generated content platform um, because in the beginning, when you offer users no utility, you offer the users no content to enjoy, you offer them not even really meaningful connections, um, you can't really do any of those things until you start to see people creating content. It's how do you get that flywheel going? And th- that's the approach that we, we, we've taken, which has worked really well for us. So you're, correct me if I've got this wrong, you're sort of rewarding users for creating content by allowing them to make a donation of your money we're rewarding users for eating vegan food we're rewarding users for choosing sustainably when they purchase products um, they just need to take a photo of it and share it but the reward doesn't go to them the reward is that they get to they get to choose where our company donates money how interesting yeah no it's not a financial reward it's not we're not paying we're not paying the user we're not giving them amazon gift cards or we're not paying them we're not even giving them the dollar um, to donate, we're, we're, we're just we're giving them the the ability to choose where we donate money as a company. When I think of the compelling reasons for someone to sort of uh, join the platform, download the app, take part in posting their vegan reviews, I mean, obviously there's uh, there's a certain amount of well, there's a community of vegans who, as we all know, as the joke goes, you know, how do you know if someone's a vegan? Don't worry, they'll tell you. So it's, it's a vocal community. So I can see how that would get you started. And then there's there's certainly a trend connected to larger issues where people are concerned about climate and, and what they can do and, and, and whatever. So I can see how that would then draw in a larger group. And now if you are a part of that group and you're participating you also get to not just make an impact by making the right choice in the first place, but then by posting about that choice, you can also uh, make an impact in a very direct way by choosing, you know, or, or, or casting a vote or whatever for where you will put your charitable donation. Yeah, and, and I think that the the part that ultimately gets me the most gets me really excited um, is that by creating content on our platform, you're really helping to make the world more green. Right, because that content is being then circulated and spread and help to create. It helps to create change. The example that I just talked about from Singapore is just one example in many markets. 
right, where we can use that data to actually create more optionality to help tra businesses that traditionally might be 99% uh, you know, animal-based in their offering to maybe going from 99% to 90%. Because you can show them directly what the the market they're missing out on. Yeah, I, I suggest and implore to every single business owner, right, that's listening that this is an audience that you really want to tap into. Now, the the when, with relation to our audience, which is really an interesting sort of surprise for me over the last few years, is just how many of our, the people on our platform are not actually even vegan or vegetarian. About nearly 70% of our users identify as meat eaters. Um, and that's something that, we, yeah, and that's something that we're really excited to see because these are the people that are increasingly identifying as, as, as flexitarian or pescatarian um, or reduce it. I mean, there's a lot of different, you know, terminology out there that's floating around, but basically meat eaters who are consciously trying to reduce their meat consumption and we think that that really is the biggest part of this trend. Being vegan is hard. When, when you decided upon this mission, which is, which is a big and intimidating one, what do you think are the risks? And what I mean by that is, is, uh, is the risk of failure. Um, is, is that something that keeps you up at night? Or are you worried that... You know that the uh, the got milk lobby are going to come after you, or or that it's not appealing enough to investors. What are the risks that keep you awake at night? Well, you know, there's a lot of risks, Neil. Uh, there's there's a lot of risks, right? We're a startup, um, so the risk of running out of money is real. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like the risk of running out of money is real um, for a long time. Um, and, you know, even when you're making money, even when you're close to profitability, it's all very fragile in the beginning, right? And I think that the other risk is that, you know, and you see this with social networks, um, this is something that Mark Andreessen said a very, very long time ago, but, you know, he, say, he said, please ask MySpace what they think about the social network effect, right? And the durability of that, because... You know, there's this this idea that if you build this massive network, that, that it's it's gonna just keep growing and be sticky. But as quickly as it can grow, it can fall apart. And I think that where we come in and where we really differentiate ourselves is we really have a very strong focus on utility. Nobody's you're never gonna criticize something for being too useful, right? Right. And so we're really trying to build something that's useful where all of this data then gets put together in a way that creates optionality for people, whether that's putting things on a map so people, wherever they are in the world, can go and find a great option, go and find something to eat, or showing people lots of products and brands that they can purchase and eventually helping them purchase those things uh, and try those things and really differentiate between what's good and bad. So if they have a good experience, they're more likely to keep having, to, to keep wanting to, to do that and enjoy it versus if they have a bad experience, um, you know, from the, from the get go. Um, and, uh, and, you know, so I think a, a big part of it is, is being, is competing, uh, competing for talent, uh, is something that uh, worries me and keeps me up at night. 
the end for you will hopefully be a billion people plant-based, but, you know, by 2030, but along the way, there's got to be other rewards. So I asked you about the risks. What are the things that are keeping you going? The, the end is not a billion people. I think that will just be just the beginning because by 2030, we're going to have anywhere from eight to nine billion people, maybe more around the planet. So, you know, one out of eight, one out of nine, that's really just going to be the beginning. And I think that if we do get there, and it's not going to be just our company, it's going to be hundreds and thousands of companies, tens of thousands of companies, hopefully, with all with the same mission. Uh, we're seeing that, right? I mean, in the case of in the case of Impossible Foods, I think they have a very audacious goal of no animals used for meat by 2035. That's in another. That's another way of saying, you know, they want they're fighting for eight to nine billion vegans and vegetarians by 2035, wow. right? They, they've said it in they've said it in a different way, which is it's a, I think it's a very smart way. Of, uh, of, of stating their mission. I think we can learn from them in, in that respect. But, um, but to your question on what keeps us going, um, you know, I, I, think it's, I think it's that. Like you have every chance, uh, every reason to fail. And sometimes you just have to say, but what if we succeed, right? What if, what if, this, what if we succeed? If we succeed, this will have been something absolutely absolutely life-changing and world-changing and is so impactful and so needed. And so for that 1%, or maybe it's 0.1, or maybe it's 0.01% chance that we succeed, if we fight for that and we keep fighting for that and keep fighting for that, and we keep, you know, we, we, we keep succeeding like we are right now and in a very small and tiny way, but we keep doing it. Even if our company doesn't succeed, maybe somebody much smarter comes along and sees what I'm doing and decides to have a go at it and succeeds, right? Um, so maybe I give a much better entrepreneur a seed, you know, or, or, or an idea that sparks something in them to change. So you just don't know, right? You don't know what's going to happen, but um, I think it's just that chance of success. A lot of people, what keeps them going is the... Um well, I'm definitely going to get my, my 2% pay rise next year. I'm, I'm definitely going to get that promotion or I've, I've been promised this or I'm going to uh, treat myself to that car. And what you're saying is that it's not a specific milestone. It's not a particular thing. It's, it's just the very uh, tantalizing possibility that we might actually do this. And wouldn't that be incredible? I love that. It's such a... It's such a very different way of motivating yourself to get up in the morning. I really like it. Um, at the end of the podcast, I always ask the same question, which is about, you know, your advice to others considering an unthinkable decision. And, and I think you've made two here. The first was to leave the industry, you know, the finance industry, which is sort of famously well rewarded to go and found a startup where, you know, money's always on your mind. And then the other one is to set this hugely audacious goal which I would definitely describe as being an unthinkable goal. What would your advice be to others who are considering or even procrastinating on a big, unthinkable decision of their own? That's a hard one. Um, for me, it was about aligning with my purpose and values. Uh, throughout my career, I found that the things that were the most rewarding to me 
were the opportunities that I had to create impact for others. Um, so that might have been working with minority school children um, on, you know, as part of education programs, education initiatives in New York City growing up or throughout my career or helping animals or obviously, you know, doing those things through my, through my, 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 uh, my vegetarianism and then my veganism. Um, but for me, you know, this, this, these things were, were the things that I was very proud of in my life. In fact, I rarely, I was one of these people that rarely talked about my work, uh, when I went out with my friends and, and when we went out to dinners and things. And so for me, I just, the question I kept asking myself when I was like, Vikas, cool, you're ready to start a hedge fund. Like, let's do this, right? We're yeah. raise a billion dollars, we're gonna yeah. like, do all this. I just kept on coming back down to is like, you know, is, is that really what I want the rest of my life to be about? And is that really like, is what am I missing? Because that's not, like, is that gonna actually change the dinnertime conversation? Am I not, am I just gonna talk Am I going to actually have to talk more about my work then? Because I actually don't like talking about my work. Why don't I like talking about my work? Because my work isn't fulfilling the way that the things that I do to create impact is fulfilling that make me feel human, that make me feel connected to the people and to the world, and that make me feel good about myself. And like, so, well, if my work is not the big enabler of, of, of my own self-worth in a way, right? And then what's missing here? And for me, so, you know, we have this amazing advisor in the company. His name is John Wood. Um, and he founded a nonprofit called Room to Read, uh, which educated 20 million school children around the world. They, they, wow. they, 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 they created literacy programs and they funded libraries at schools around the planet. They started in, with one school in a village in Nepal uh, 20, 20, 25 years back. And John was a career executive at Microsoft when he fell upon this school in Nepal. Um, and that changed his life. That one visit to that school changed his life forever. Um, but he wrote a book called Purpose Incorporated, which is all about aligning your purpose and your work. Um, and, you know, it was really that advice from reading that book that triggered so much thinking in terms of how I think now and and not just just in in terms of really understanding that the best possible way to succeed is by making sure that your idea for a business tackles all the things that make you feel great and special in life and and if you can align your purpose with your work you're never going to really get bored of your work you're never going to you're never going to feel like you're going to just feel that the, that the challenges are, they might even feel insurmountable, but you're going to really fight and work hard because you're so passionately connected to achieving that mission. And because what if you succeed? Wouldn't it be amazing? Vikas, this has been an incredibly enlightening conversation. Thank you so much. Where can people download, engage with the billion? Tell us. Of course, we're. Thank you, Neil. We're, of course, we're in the uh, we're in the app stores, so you can find us uh, uh, on on your iPhone in the app store. If you have an Android, on Google Play. Um, we're now in 140 countries around the world, 
And of course, through our website, which is a billion.com. It's just one word, A-B-I-L-L-I-O-N.com. And is that also where businesses can go to get hold of the data or subscribe to reports or, or something? Absolutely. So we have a data, we have a data uh, feed that you can subscribe to, which will, will give you a lot of really interesting consumer insights, interesting insights and dashboards about companies that are succeeding around the world or doing interesting things. Um, that is data.abillion.com. You'll find the link on our homepage as well. Uh, we have an awards platform uh, where we're really bringing together all of this consumer feedback to really create the industry's first recognition standard for everything that's sustainable and plant-based. That's awards.abillion.com. Um, and for businesses that are interested in sort of signing up and, and really taking control, if, if there's someone listening that actually runs a consumer products brand, or perhaps you run a restaurant, um, you could go to business.abillion.com and actually take control and, and ownership over your business to make sure that your profile and, and visibility on our platform, it, where it looks just as good as your own website. Sounds like you've got all angles covered. Uh, Vikas, thank you very, very much. Thank you very much, Neil. It was great uh, speaking with you today. Thank you. Unthinkable is a Moore's Law media production for Unventures, an unorthodox growth partner that helps people and businesses be value over form led to thrive in today's adaptive economy. It was hosted and produced by Neil Moore, executive produced by Dick Van Motman, and the production assistant was Nafilza Rohaidi. Subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, and all the usual places, and head to un-ventures.com for even more insights on how you can become more un.